Welcome to See the World Differently. Come explore and discover the world around you. Hey, and welcome to this edition of See the World Differently with Oceanscape Yachts. I'm Rebecca Taylor, and today I was joined by a pretty big name in the luxury travel world. Uh, Paul Johnson is the man behind a luxurytravelblog.com. Uh, it's been around for about 15 years now, and he's built it up from kind of a solo passion project in his words, um, to now one with monthly contributors. They've got um, hundreds of different authors that contribute to the publication online, uh, which is fantastic for times like COVID when people can report uh, back from their own corner of the globe. Uh, you may have seen them on Facebook. They have just shy of 300,000 um followers on Facebook, 680,000 followers on Twitter. He's got thousands of followers on Instagram and Pinterest. Um, and his blog is very busy getting um, around 140,000 visitors a month. So if you don't follow his blog already, you might want to. You're clearly missing out. Uh, Paul and I had a little chat about uh, the luxury travel industry and kind of the effects of COVID and where it's headed. But also we provide a little bit of vacation inspiration and a little break from the doom and gloom of the news and uh, inability to travel for many of us. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Paul. And if you're feeling a little bit down that travel is non-existent at the moment, head to his website, aluxurytravelblog.com. Click on any of the links. Uh, he's been featured in CNN, uh, Condé Nast Traveler, Daily Mail, just to name a few. Um, so plenty of places for you to escape to in his blog. And if you don't already subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play, please do. It's free. It takes no time at all. And you'll get all the updates on the most recent episodes. And without further ado, here is Paul. Okay, so we are here with Paul Johnson from A Luxury Travel Blog. Paul, thank you so much for joining us today from the UK. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure, honestly. So we got to know Paul, um, I don't know, maybe like six months ago or something. We stumbled upon your site and you and I have kind of touched base here and there. And obviously with COVID, we've been keeping in touch and I've been <laughs> using your blog and newsletter as a way to keep abreast of what's going on in your side of the world and, and around the globe. But um, if you could just share with our listeners a little bit how you got started in the travel industry, because you have such a big following and it's it's really impressive. So just let us know what okay. led you to here. Sure. Well, I, I've always obviously had a, I mean, it's a prerequisite for the job really, but I've always had a, a love of travel. Uh, but I actually started working in an industry probably in the late 1980s. Um, my parents took on a I think what you would call a, a vacation rental business. So we would call it holiday cottages. Um, and I used to help out with that quite a lot, um, particularly uh, when they used to go. So their, their off season would be in the winter and they would they would tend to go and spend a bit of time in South Africa. And I would look after the business uh, on my own. Then sometimes actually looking after the business from university, just uh, answering the phone that was diverted to, to my accommodation. Um, Whilst I was at university, I also started uh, working weekends and holidays or vacations, um, distributing tourist literature in the area where I live. Uh, so when you go into places and you see leaflets on display, I, I would be the person that had got those leaflets there. Um, and then later in my PhD days at university uh, was when the web as we now know it came along. So I started dabbling with uh, web design and internet marketing. Um, since then, obviously, uh, I've, I've moved 
more into affiliate marketing and marketing and then subsequently uh, blogging which i started a luxury travel blog in uh, 2005 so 15 years ago now which was the very early days of travel blogs yes definitely and it's really kind of in your blood i guess if you've been doing it the travel industry <laughs> since you were young and kind of trying to do it along with university that that's great you've seen it evolve too <laughs> yeah well yeah. my degree was uh, geography and geology so i was able to tack in a bit of travel travel into that as well oh great do you find that still kind of like seeps into where you travel and what you're interested in when you go to places it it certainly can do I mean I suppose uh I just love things like maps and exploring the world just it's just kind of been an ingrained uh interest I suppose from a very young age um and hence me probably pursuing that as my degree and and me working in travel now yeah, it's really interesting to see. And I suppose now you're probably doing a lot of local uh, <laughs> geography kind of focused That's things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you're, uh, yeah, you're up in the Lake District, right? In the UK? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's a beautiful area full of lots of history. And yeah. I suppose you got lots of nice staycation places to go while we've been stuck. Yeah. I mean, we. so I think um, in terms of visitor numbers, the Lake District's um, the most visited uh, part of the country after London. Um it's very well known by amongst UK tourists, but less so internationally. It gets quite a few American visitors um, and strangely also um, quite a lot of Japanese visitors because um, one of the, um, I suppose the area was made famous by a number of poets and writers who lived who lived in the area. And one of those was Beatrix Potter. Uh, now you might be familiar with the Hollywood film Miss Potter, which was based up here. And she was a children's author. Um, now, I, I understand that um, Japanese children learning English uh, often use Beatrix Potter books, and that's why the interest is, is there in the Japanese uh, uh, tourist industry. Isn't that so interesting? What gets uh, <laughs> translated over and then like people want to come to see it? That's that's really exactly. interesting. I think I had said to you over email, it's one of the, like the one of the corners I probably didn't hit when I lived over there and I've always regretted I was quite into cycling when I lived there too and it's supposed to be beautiful up there oh, isn't yeah. it? Well, next time, and they actually have a, a cycling event here that I think covers I think it's something like uh just over 100 miles overall the main peaks in, yes. in the lake it's called the Fred Witten challenge yeah uh, usually takes even the winner about six and a half hours to, yes. to finish it up. So. <laughs> it's intense. I, I've seen a few yeah. friends do it and they look absolutely broken by the end yeah. of it. So um, anyway, but, uh, and other than your local haunts, I guess before COVID you were traveling quite a bit, right? It wasn't abnormal for you to be away at least once no, a month. No, I would, I would travel um, quite often, but maybe I, my travel blog, as I was just saying to you before we started, um, it's slightly different from many other travel blogs. It's not uh, dependent on uh, myself traveling all the time, which I, I suppose the common perception and most travel blogs do fall into this c category is that it's first and foremost only written by the travel blogger, whereas mine's more like a travel magazine with contributions from lots of different people, uh, often people in the industry. So it's not a requirement that I'm continually traveling. In fact, I do need time at a desk every now and then to, <laughs> yeah, to manage the coming from other people. Yeah. Yeah. And how did that? I probably, probably travel uh, typically uh, something like 10 times a year. Okay. And that, even though you have people contributing, is that still kind of for work or under the guise of work, but really <laughs> more pleasure? Yeah, or? So when, when I make trips, they're always either work or 
work combined combined with leisure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And <laughs> how long did it take you for your blog, if you can share, to become a magazine that people contribute to? Was it kind of organic that you met people along the way and said, "Hey, if you ever want to submit something," or did you have this yeah, goal in mind? It's, it's been in exactly that. It's it's uh, so the first I would say probably the first three years of running the blog. It was very much a labor of love. Uh, no, that I was running it concurrently with other projects that that generated revenue, so I could afford to dedicate a little bit of time to it in its infancy. Uh, but the other writers coming on board has been a, a gradual thing over time. So that's kind of developed over the years. Yeah, mm-hmm. and fantastic, like you say, right now where you're unable to travel, you can get people. We're all staying sheltering in place, but then have something exactly. to share too. Exactly, because because the writers are based all over the world, and they might at least be able to travel within their respective countries. Mm-hmm. We still have plenty of content going through on the site. Yeah, we we publish content, new content, pretty much on a on a daily basis. Sometimes several times a day, even during the pandemic. Wow. Yeah, I think that's kind of we were saying before. And there are some positives to come out of this, and I'm sure it'll take a while for us to really be able to appreciate that. But um, really getting to know your own corner of the world, I think, has been great because so many people never travel where they live, visit, and then, or you have a friend come to visit and you take them around, and you think, wow, I never knew my hometown had this, you know? So I think the pandemic has forced people to take advantage of their local parks and, you know, all their resources Definitely. that they have. I think we're often, often guilty of exploring places other than our, our our home patch if you like um and and yet uh, certainly in, in my case I, there's so much to to see and do here I'm, I'm very fortunate in that respect yeah um, it's such a beautiful area as well so yeah and if you I think when I asked you via email your favorite corner of the globe you said home <laughs> is that <laughs> yeah. yeah do you have I mean, any I- other yeah, so that's kind of my stock answers to say home. As I say, the Lake District, um, anyone listening that has been will know it's a, a really beautiful area full of uh, lots of green space. Hill, the highest mountain in England's here. The longest lake in England is here as well. And it's very picturesque. Uh, but aside from home, um, I have a quite a soft spot for Tanzania, which is where I, I went on honeymoon um, and also... I've spent quite a bit of time in Greenland. My PhD was in glaciology and I worked on a particular glacier out in Greenland. Oh, um, wow. So uh, that's somewhere I, I, would, I haven't been for a while, but I'd like to go back with the family sometime as well. Um, there's one or two other places that I've yet to go to as well. So um, Iceland, I haven't yet been to in New Zealand. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the Greek islands. I've wanted to go to Santorini for a while I've been to many other islands in Greece but not Santorini yeah you can go to I think I've been to Greece three times I haven't been to Santorini or Athens <laughs> there's just so yeah. many places to explore um exactly. you probably yeah but um Greenland that's interesting I don't think there's probably many people that can say they've spent a ton of time there so that's I think it's the population is only about 55,000 so uh, wow. yeah it's quite tiny really, yeah so. and I'm guessing you were quite remote if you were doing yeah so um i worked at 20 miles from a town with a population of uh 250 in the summer and 200 in winter because the winters are so harsh about about 50 people go and spend time with family in denmark oh Um, wow okay yeah i mean but this town is is one of the biggest airports in greenland it's a place called kangalushwak um but it's still very very small um yeah 
Okay. Gives Canada a run for its money on the winters. Then. <laughs> <laughs> nice to know. Yeah, I think it's um, it gets down to sort of minus 50 and it's pitch black 24 hours a day. So okay. Yeah, you gotta fun. be got to be quite hardy to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got to be inside, I think. <laughs> yeah, or that. Good fire going yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, those are some great places on the bucket list. And uh, I think you also mentioned as a family holiday, you were even thinking of Ecuador or something. Is that right? Or Yes, that's right. Um, pre covid we had a couple of places in the pipeline uh, one was a trip to uh, possibly to ecuador and to galapagos and the other um destination we were looking at was a trip to japan actually um but those will have to be put on hold for the time being unfortunately yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so what we did instead we went um my uh, i've got two teenage boys they're both very much into um sailing they've uh, competed in sort of a, a national and a world championship level oh, wow. uh, and um so we we actually went on a sailing holiday in Scotland and uh my eldest son uh got his what they call the day skipper license which means now as a family we're because the, the rest of us uh, did uh, so it, sorry to go back a bit the in the UK we have uh the RYA the Royal Yachting Association mm-hmm. and I think it's um they have schemes worldwide but you can basically go through their qualifications and and now we're in a position having done this uh, sailing holiday to to ch- charter a yacht um in most places with with um, my eldest having having got his day skipper that's great for greece next yeah. time yeah uh, you can sail yourselves well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice when you can get the kids to do it too so you don't have to worry exactly. about taking any more yeah. courses well, they they go to um they, they go to a school that um instills in adventure and and sailing being part of that so they've been very fortunate to become um quite competent sailors yeah. as a result and, um they they can teach us a thing or two that's for sure yeah that seems like a great school so would they ever consider a, a career in luxury yachting like we know a lot of crew and stuff like that or are they more just for the fun of it and well i guess uh, the racing aspect no, well they, they at the moment it's very much their hobby and fun but uh my eldest is just starting his um sixth what we call sixth form here mm-hmm. um so his last two years of school and he's quite interested in pursuing an engineering career and i suspect he he might be tempted to go into marine engineering just because of his interest in in boating as well so yeah. we'll see yeah great way to see the world for sure right. uh, and um i know trips are on hold and things like that but since you do have such um a wide experience in travel like how do you think covid will will affect things do you think we'll stay in our hometowns for quite a while even once there is a vaccine and people are more comfortable or do you think people will just be so pent up they're they're hitting the road as soon as possible i think we're going to see a, a quite a mixture obviously um at the luxury end of the spectrum if if there's no health concerns from a from a financial point of view i think people that were uh, very well off pre-pandemic although they might not be quite as wealthy they'll still be wealthy enough to to travel and travel mm-hmm. in luxury um obviously although there will be that pent-up demand at, uh, at the other end uh, there will be people whose priority will be um getting an income and uh, surviving financially because uh, it's it's going to be tough for a lot of people i think mm-hmm. um so i think um the return to travel will be quite a gradual one obviously it will be expedited if we if we get a vaccine um when any of this will happen i 
I wouldn't really like to get my crystal ball out and put it. <laughs> Can't you? <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> um, I don't think it's going to be in the next few months, let's put it that way. But yeah. I'm hopeful that we'll see some return next year. Um, how strong a return, I just wouldn't like to say. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because I know we had a lot of people start asking in the summer about Croatia because obviously they were one of the first to open their borders to everyone. Yeah. And, you know, they had quite a few travelers come through. So in, on the one hand, you think, okay, well, this is positive. But then, of course, now we're in the second wave or supposedly yeah. we're on our way to it. So it's, it is, like you say, very hard to judge. And if you ask somebody mm-hmm. in March, I don't know what it was like in the UK, but everyone here said, like, let's all just stay at home for two weeks and see what happens, you know. I, and then... I think a lot of people in the UK thought the same. I think they thought it was all going to pass within months at, at, at worst. So, um, yeah, but that wasn't the case, um, no. sadly. No. Well, at least we have websites like yours to keep us virtually traveling and adding to the bucket list every day. I think I probably added more places that I want to visit uh, in the past few months than in my whole life. So um, so your website is aluxurytravelblog.com. That's correct. That's right. And then all your social handles and things are there. And I'll be sure to to link everybody up. But I've really enjoyed my chat with you. And there's really so much content there for our listeners um, to really have a little mini, mini break from your desk. Um, Thank you, Rebecca. Pleasure yeah, talking to you. Yeah, it was really fun. Thanks so much, Paul. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to see the world differently. Until next time, keep daydreaming. <laughs>